بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول کریم اما آباد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹوینٹی ایتھ آف مے ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ ویو موو آن ٹو دا ایٹین So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 48. So verse 46, Audhu Billahi Minash Shaitanul Rajeem, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Do they not travel through the land so that their hearts may thus learn wisdom and their ears may thus learn to hear? Truly it is not their eyes that are blind but their hearts which are in their breasts. So like I mentioned last week, in the previous verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that He's left some signs from the destruction of the previous nations as signs. Now He's mentioning, why don't they reflect upon this? But it's not their eyes that are blind, it is their hearts. So now what does that mean? So there's a few reports. So this is recorded... ان ابن منذر ان استفسیر ابن جدید ان استفسیر ان حسن امام سیوتی ان الدر المنتور حکیم الترمدی ان نوادر الاصول دیلبی ان مسند الفردوس نمبر 6449 فم معاد ان قرطبی ان استفسیر خالد ابن معدان رحمت اللہ علیہ he said every servant has two eyes in his face by which he sees the world and two eyes in his heart by which he sees the next world. Thus, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires good for his servant, he opens the two eyes of his heart and he then sees what is promised him in the unseen. And they eye, those eyes are from the unseen. So in this report from one of the senior tabi'in, You mentioned that everybody has two eyes. But there are two eyes in the heart. And those eyes see the next world, said Khalid al-Ahmadullah. And he goes, if Allah wants good, he will open those eyes of the heart. And in another report, it mentions, this is recorded in Behaki in the Shu'ab al-Iman, number 1372, Hakim al-Tirmidhi in his Nawad al-Usul, number 39, Dailami in his Musnad al-Firdos, number 5268. Askari in his Amfal, Imam Siyuti, in his Jami al-Saghil, number 7569. Behaki, and other references. So the report now is directly from the Prophet ﷺ. He said, Blind is not the one whose physical eyes are blind, but whose spiritual eyes are blind. Blind is not one whose physical eyes are blind, but whose spiritual eyes are blind. And the Prophet used the word Basar and Basira. Basar for the eyes of the head and Basira for the heart. So what do these narrations indicate? This explaining this verse. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says clearly in this verse, verse 46, فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَ الْأَبْصَارِ It is not their eyes that are blind, but their hearts which are in their breasts. 
So Allah Ta'ala is mentioning that they haven't got access to the reality of things, i.e. of the unseen. So now, what is the sign that these eyes are open? So there's a verse in Surah 6, verse 125. So in Surah 6, verse 125, Allah Subhanahu Wa mentions there, those whom Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wills to guide, he opens their sadr to Islam. Those whom he wills to leave astray, he makes their sadr close and constricted as if they had to ascend to the heavens. Those those Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heap the penalty on those who refuse to believe. So this verse, again another commentary. So this hadith is recorded in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman number 1052. Hakim in his Mustadrak 4-311, Mishkat number 5228, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf number 34314, and Shaykh Al-Bayn stated there's a weakness in ad number 965. So Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu, he relates, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa once recited this part of verse 125. Those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills to guide, he opens their southern to Islam. He explains, when light enters the chest, the chest opens up. He was asked, Ya Rasulullah, is there a sign from which this treasured state can be recognized? The Prophet said, yes, to lose interest in the world, which is the place of deception, and to develop liking for the hereafter, which is the permanent dwelling place, and to make ready for death before it comes. So let's look at it. So here, Allah himself says that if I want to guide you, I open your heart, your sadr to Islam. So the companions asked, what is that treasured sign? So these are the outward signs. The Prophet wasallam he said, you lose interest in the world. In other words, you realize this is a place of deception. And you develop a strong attachment to the hereafter. You start becoming, like you say, obsessed. You start preparing, working towards it, etc., etc. And then he mentions, you make ready for death before it comes. These are the signs that the eyes of the heart are open. If the eyes are closed of the heart, you won't have this liking. In fact, it's reversed. You have an over-attachment to the world and you, you, you hardly reflect upon death, let alone the Akhir. So this is the meaning here. And also, just to add, if you look at the verse, it continues. Those whom he wills to leave astray, he makes their heart close and constricted <coughs> as if they are ascending to the heavens. Now what's shocking about this, this is exactly what happens when a person is ascending into the heavens. His chest constricts. Every astronaut who's gone into, left the Earth's atmosphere, because we feel a tremendous pressure on our chests. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Those whom I will to leave astray, I make their chest close and constricted as if they are ascending to the... How did the Prophet know that? 
Because it's not his words. So Allah Ta'ala has given you beautiful examples. So when a person goes, what does it mean? They're not God guidance. They're going into the heavens. Allah Ta'ala is telling you, you'll work here soon. I've told you something well before you've discovered it. So note the, the beautiful analogy there. The, the chest is being crushed. And that is the one who's not got guidance. Allah Ta'ala is refusing guidance to enter. And also, there's another report. So this is recorded in Daylami and it's graded Hassan. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Umm Salama radiyallahu she relates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِعَبْدِ خَيْلًا جَعَلَ لَهُ وَاعِزًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the best for a servant, He bestows upon him an exhortation coming from the heart. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the best for a servant, he bestows upon him an exhortation from the heart. So let's look at this. So here, what is the Prophet saying? If he wants khair, khair means the best. What is the sign that he wants the best for you? Wa'izan min qalbi. He bestows upon him a wa'iz from his heart. Something happens to the heart. The Arabic term wa'iz, translated as exhortation, alludes to an inner call, giving rise to a spiritual impetus towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ghazali frequently reminds us, this call comes to the heart through the intermediary of an angel in charge of guidance. And then the Shaykh recited this verse. فَمَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَهْدِيَهُ يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ And whomsoever it is God's will to guide, he expands his bosom unto submission. So the why is, so no, this is why the heart is so precious. Because this is where guidance lies, the heart. And what's again fascinating, they've recently discovered again that the heart also produces neurons. So this is again something old to us, but something something strange to the non-Muslims. They always believe neurons came from the brain, which is true. But the heart also produces neurons. Then when they've further studied into this, they also have come to the conclusion that the neurons of the heart control the neurons of the brain. So in simple terminology, the heart is in charge. And what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa say? Because the heart is king. So again, how did he know that? So note, the Quran is the best. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? It is not the eyes that are blind. It is the heart. So it's not a metaphorical statement. It's a physical statement. When people say it's metaphorical, no, it's not. It's physical. The heart, the eyes have become blind in the heart. And just to add, what's the opposite sign? That you, you are not getting guidance. In Ma'riful Quran, volume 3, page 461. Sayyidina Umar and Ibn Abbas, they recited this portion, Surah 6, verse 125. Those whom he wills to leave astray, he makes their heart close and constricted as if they are ascending to the skies. They explained. When he hears the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he feels as if, as if he is being harassed. However, when he listens to what is kufr and shirk, his heart relishes it. That's the sign that the heart is being closed. 
So when you hear the zikr of Allah, you it harasses you. You can't, you know, it's like there's something wrong with you. You, know, you think, I oh, know this is too much, but I need to do something. That is the heart being closed. It doesn't start, it's not getting the nutrition from the remembrance. But when it listens to, like we say, anything which destroys, it relishes it. So music, it will relish music. So this is the meaning according to Sayyidina Umar about the opposite. So now you can gauge where you are. Does the Quran harass you? If it does, there's something wrong with you. Does the Sunnah harass you? Does the Sahaba harass you? Then you say, right, does music harass you? Does backbiting harass you? And that is the stage the heart's in. And that's why the Prophet famously said, there is a piece of flesh. If it is sound, the whole body is sound. If it is corrupted, the whole body is corrupted. It is the heart. This is in Sayyid Bukhari. So note again here, Allah is telling you why. It is not their eyes that are blind, but the hearts which are in their breasts. And this is why it's important to constantly ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to renew iman in your heart. The Prophet instructed that sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Tabrani authentic to give you lasting iman, to give you a strong iman. You, you ask. People ask for everything except the most important things. Right? So again, note again the Prophet's instructing sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is why there's another report in Day Nabi. Our beloved messenger, he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there is no servant except he has four eyes, two in his head with which he observes the affairs of the worldly life and two in his heart with which he observes the affairs of his religion. So note again, the Prophet was highlighting this again and again. Verse 47. Yet they ask you to quicken the punishment, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not fail in his promise. Verily a day in the sight of your Lord is like a thousand years of your reckoning. So now this is a sign of the dreaded darkened heart. They actually start mocking. And one of the signs of mock is that they ask for the day of judgment to come. Because where is this day of judgment? Well, you keep telling us about. Because let it come. We want it to come now. So Allah is telling you that. And he mentions that in quite a few places. They ask you to quicken the punishment. Which person in his right mind want to be punished quickly? But Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَيْ يُخْلِفَ اللَّهُ وَعَدَى But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not fail in his promise. So now why? Why is Allah Ta'ala delaying? Is there any wisdom? So in Surah 35 verse 45, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there explicitly one of the wisdoms. The translation. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to punish mankind according to what they deserve, he would not leave on the back of the earth a single living creature, but he gives them respite for a stated term. When their term expires, verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in his sight all his servants. So here in this verse, the last verse of Surah Fatir, Allah Ta'ala says, if you want me to punish, nobody will be left. You all will be condemned. But I leave it for a term, despite a stated term, there's a decreed term with me. And when that term arrives, it goes, nothing will be, be kept hidden from me. So the Quran explicitly answers that question, meaning there's a decreed time for everything. So now what's interesting, 
there's a report and it mentions in fact if you turn to surah 14 verse 42 surah 14 verse 42 surah ibrahim verse 42 alayhi salatu so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says wala tahsabanna allah ghafilan amma ya'malu adh-dhalimun do not think that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not heed the deeds of those who do wrong so allah ta'ala explicitly says don't you dare think this that i'm i, I am ghafil i am not aware of the sins look how interesting shaitan puts that into your head is all these sins taking place in the world where's god god is in the approve he doesn't exist read the quran you fruit cake so what does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say do not think that allah ta'ala does not heed the deeds of those who do wrong in fact there's a report abu mu'ayyad al-maqqi who died 568 in his manaqib al-imam al-akram abu hanifa page 12 He quotes Ibrahim al-Basri rahmatullahi alayhi he said I was offering fajr with Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi alayhi and he recited this verse wala tahsabanna Allah ghafilan amma ya'malu adh-dhalimun he died upon burst into tears and his whole body convulsed with sobbing <laughs> so now think about that you got a much daily imam Imam Abu Hanifa how did he react to that verse he burst into tears and he was thinking why is Allah Taala mentioned that in other words how dare man even thinks that and then the other way to look at it is he's weeping why because he's thinking I'm doomed but what sense did Imam Abu Hanifa commit and yeah here we are walking around as if we're God's chosen ones So not Allah Ta'ala has given time, whether it's on the individual level or the universal level. But the time comes, he goes, then there's no respite. So not here again, Allah Ta'ala is mentioning things clearly in the Quran. And this is why we want mercy, because there's a report. So this narration is in Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, number 14,598. Yahya ibn Mu'adh rahmatullahi alayhi he said when he subhanahu wa ta'ala extends his grace not a single sin remains for that person when he extends his justice then not a single good deed remains for that person <laughs> so if somebody goes I want justice <laughs> what have you asked for you've asked for this I don't want any of my good deeds to remain I want to wipe out my good deeds. Is that what you're asking? He's asking for justice. I didn't ask to get wiped out. That's what he means. I want his grace. That's good. Because now none of your sins will remain. So this is why we ask for grace. Right? Grace. And what's interesting? When we leave the masjid, what is the dua we make? Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlik. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I ask you for your grace. Why? Because you've done what you needed to do in the masjid. Now he goes, I'm not relying upon that. I'm relying upon your grace. <laughs> Meaning, my deeds aren't worth anything. <laughs> But people just rattle it out without even thinking. So going back to verse 47. They ask you to quicken on the punishment. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not fail his promise. Then look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. 
Verily a day in the sight of your Lord is like a thousand years of your reckoning. Now what's interesting? That's the same verse. So at the beginning of the verse, Allah Ta'ala says, you're asking me to quicken my punishment because I'm not going to fail in my promise. Then why is he now mentioned a day is like a thousand years in my reckoning? Because it's not your time scale. <laughs> you know, you're using your time scale. Allah Ta'ala says, it's my time scale. You know, obviously he's created time. He goes, a day in my sight is like a thousand years. Now what's interesting about that? There's a narration. So this hadith is in Ibn Majah, number one, 4124. Ibn Abi Shayba, number 16,234. And others. Abdullah Ibn Umar, he said, The poor Muhajirun, they complained to Rasulullah about that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had favored the rich over them. So the poor Muhajirun were thinking the rich have got a deal better than us. They've got wealth. We can't. We haven't got wealth. The Prophet wasallam said, Ya ma'ashar al-fuqara O destitute ones, shall I not give you the glad tidings that the poor believers will enter paradise half a day, 500 years before the rich. So what did the Prophet say? Glad tidings that the poor believers will enter paradise 500 years before the rich. The hadith doesn't finish. A subnarrator. So who's the subnarrator? So if you look at the chain of this report, Ishaq ibn Mansur, rahmatullah he relays from Abu Ghassan Bahlul, rahmatullah who relays from Musa ibn Ubaidah, who relays from Abdullah ibn Dinar, who relays from Abdullah ibn Umar. So in the chain, there's a person called Musa ibn Ubaidah. He commented here, he said, And verily a day with your Lord is as a thousand years of what you reckon. So what's interesting? A subnarrator, after narrating this hadith, he recited this verse. I verse 47. Why did he do that? Because the Prophet was saying half a day is 500 years. The Quran is saying one day is a thousand years. So look how interesting this. Look how well acquainted they were with the Quran. How quickly they would revert to the Quran to see the understanding. And also in Surah 32 verse 5. In Surah Sajda verse 5. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions there. A day the space of which is a thousand years of your reckoning. So there's actually a tafsir of this verse. In Ibn Abi Hatim and Al-Bidayah, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he recited this verse, Surah 32 verse 5, which I just recited. He said, Meaning the affair descending from the heavens to the earth and the affair rising from the earth to the heavens because between the heavens and the earth is the traveling distance of 500 years. So this adds a dimension. When the angels come down with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when 
the deeds or whatever is going up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Abbas said, this is the meaning of the thousand years of your reckoning. It means it takes 500 years of your reckoning to get up and 500 years of your reckoning to come down. So that's another meaning here. It means the distance. But don't forget, it's talking about the angels. So maybe there's some literal aspect to this as well. Then of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions very famously in Surah Mutaffifin, Surah 83. So in Surah 83, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? لِيَوْمٍ عَذِيمٍ يَوْمَ يَقُومُ النَّاسُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ On an immense day, a day when all mankind will stand before the Lord of the worlds. So now there's a report. So this narration, it mentions, this is in Behaki Mishkat Marif al-Hadith. So how long is the day of judgment? 50,000 years. Famously mentioned in the Hadith. So the day of judgment, the time period is 50,000 years. The Abu Sa'id relates that I went to the Prophet and I said, Ya Rasulullah how will, be, how will we be able to stand on the day of resurrection for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he said, this mighty day. The Prophet said, it will be made easy for the believers so much so that it will appear to him like the prescribed prayer. <laughs> so what's happened? It's 50,000 years. But if you lived an extremely righteous life, it will last 15 minutes. <clears throat> right? So imagine you come out of your grave and the only way to explain it is you're on, it's like an accelerator. So you, it's literally like this. You come out of the grave, you're called, and Allah just probably just scans over your deeds. He goes, go to paradise. And you're at the, and you enter. And then you actually think, what? this is the day of judgment. But then the report adds details. One man enters later. This is an Imam Ahmad Muslim. And the one who entered early, he goes, what took you so long? And he said, I was held back. <laughs> meaning accounts and because he sweated so much that so many camels you mentioned a camel load of sweat so what you do now is actually making that day easier and in another verse of the Quran Allah Ta'ala says sorry one of the scholars said whoever stands for long periods of time in Salat he will make the great standing easy this is why there's a report where Salman al-Farsi he said that whoever stands in the darkness of the night, it will make the standing easy on the day of resurrection. So what's happening is impacting. If you made no preparation, 50,000 years, good luck, mate. 50,000 years, I'm just saying it, just words coming out of my mouth, but what does that actually mean? Imagine Qiyamah started at the time of the Prophet you still got 48,600 years left. Right? And what's happened in 1,400 years? So when you say it, it should reflect, well, I don't want 50,000 years. Everybody gets 50,000 years. But Allah makes it easy. Now, what's interesting, what did the Prophet say? The time of an obligatory prayer. So the scholars point out, why did he mention that? He's hinting to the fact that Salat shortens that day. Salat, if you guard your prayers. So note again, Liyomin Azim. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu wept when he got to that verse. He said, what am I going to do on that day? 
the great Allah Ta'ala calls it and he mentioned it Azim. He doesn't call many things Azim. What what does he mention what does he call Azim? He calls himself. Subhanallah Fasabbish Bismi Rabbikal Azim. He calls uh, the Prophet's character Khuluqin Azim. What does he call the day of judgment? Liyomin Azim. It's an immense day, meaning you need to prepare for it. And graciously Allah Ta'ala has told you what to do. But unfortunately, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And we don't have much time. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi said in Majbu Fatawa, the journey is long, the provision is short, and the way is dangerous. And one of the, sorry, Sayyidina Ali said that, the journey is long, the provision is short, and the way is dangerous. Ibn Taymiyyah wept over that. He wept. Now what's interesting, everybody's weeping except us. Sahaba's weeping, Imam Abu Hanifa's weeping, Ibn Taymiyyah's weeping, we're just going, that's interesting. The heart, the eyes, you know, maybe we've got some, you know, cataracts, right? You know, we need to work on the heart. It doesn't have the impact. Astaghfirullah. Verse 48. And to how many populations did I give respite which were given to oppression? In the end, I punished them. To me is the destination of all. Now what's beautiful about this verse? Allah Ta'ala, he's completed the argument. So a person goes, what argument? And to how many populations did I give respite, which were given to oppression? In the end, I punished them. To me is the destination. He's, he's completed the argument. Why? Because go back to verse 45, just a few verses prior. What does Allah Ta'ala say? How many populations have we destroyed which were given to oppression? The same question. They tumble down on their roofs and how many wells are lying idle and neglected and castles lofty and well built? Three verses later, Allah Ta'ala says, I gave them respite. But they're now punished and to me is your destination. And this is why to conclude in the famous dua of journey. Subhanallah sakhara lana hadha wa ma kunna lahu muqlinin. Glory be to him who has subjected these to us, but for him we could never have accomplished this, and to our Lord we shall return. So we say this when you go on a journey. What is the last thing you say when you're making a journey, du'a for journey? And to our Lord is the return. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you, even when you go on these small temporal journeys in the world, this isn't the journey. Your journey is coming back to me. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you, think, remember the true journey. You're coming back to me. وَإِنَّا إِلَىٰ رَبِّنَا لَمُنْقَلِبُونَ You're coming back to me. Right? And this is why the Quran says, فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Flee to Allah. So how are we supposed to go back to Him? Like a, you know, like a slug does. <laughs> Flee. Rush, fly. Fly to Him. Meaning, rush to Him. You're going back to Him. وَمَعَنَا وَتَعَرْكِ so on the side of us, we will conclude. Allah min al-Shaytan al-Rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Afalam yasiru fil ardi fatakuna lahum qulubu yaqiluna biha aw aadhanu yasmauna biha فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبْصَارُ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ 
وَيَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ بِالْعَذَابِ وَلَيْهِ يُخْلِفَ اللَّهُ وَعَدَا وَإِنَّ يَوْمًا عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ كَأَلْفِ سَنَةٍ مِّمَّا تَعُدُّونَ وَكَأَيِّمْ مِّنْ قَرِيَةٍ أَمْلَيْتُ لَهَا وَهِيَ ظَالِمَةٌ ثُمَّ أَخَذْتُهَا وَإِلَيَّ الْمَصِيرُ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabbi of our hearts. And we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabbi of our hearts. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 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 subhanah